Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And since it is football season here in the United States of America, I'm not talking about European football, 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 aka soccer, which means that probably half our listeners just <laughs> turned the podcast oh, off. People love the old pig skin. Some people do. Some people do. I, I mean, I, I think uh, it, it is established fact that soccer, football, mm-hmm. is like a bajillion times more popular than that's, that's a scientific fact yes a bajillion times uh, more popular than nfl football we're talking about nfl football today because like i said i'm just gonna repeat myself <laughs> it's football season and also the week that we are recording this nfl fans out there you have been to hell and back with some crazy call that was made by some replacement ref because there was some kind of referee, uh, you know, uh, contract things going on. <laughs> so they had to call in these, like, you know, second string referees. And apparently they were was, just guys from the street. Yeah. Like random people. They pulled in the guys from the popcorn stand. And uh, they made this terrible call. I think the Seahawks were playing. And this is the way I'm going to tell you all that I don't watch NFL football. <laughs> I don't either, which is why I'm laughing, because I've enjoyed Kristen's telling of this story. And if anyone is listening from ESPN, sure, I will I will be a commentator anytime. <laughs> I don't watch NFL football, but I'm not incompetent when it comes to football. I watch college football. I was raised watching the Southeastern Conference. My mother is the most rabid Auburn University fan. Mm-hmm. And every it was every Saturday we would watch the games. Yeah, no, I'm the opposite of that. I'll go ahead and say it. No football in your household? <laughs> no. And it's funny because all these years at Thanksgiving when my dad would turn on football, I just assumed he was pretending. Like, you don't really like football. You've never watched football. I've never seen you go to a game, have opinions about it, whatever. But apparently he does like football now and again, and he actually, like, knows who the teams are. (laughs) But my mother and I could care less. I went to UGA with Kristen Conger. And, um, no, I I went to a couple of UGA games. It wasn't my thing. I actually don't like crowds. And football is so start and stop. I prefer soccer or basketball myself. Yeah, if you grow up, as I did, in a college football town, um, you quickly, well, for some people, myself, again, personalizing this, <laughs> uh, it's it's not the event of a college football game. It's not that fun because you can't go anywhere. But yeah. if you stay home and you make snacks <laughs> and dips, then then I can get on board with that. Also, mm-hmm. beer, if you are of age. But as far as the NFL goes, I I totally drop off. College is where it stops for me. But, Caroline, you and I are kind of wacky in this regard because apparently football, NFL football, we should say, is all the rage among women. There is actually, in Advertising Age magazine, this week, 
He had a headline saying, Women's top watch show is not what you think, in in parentheses, Dancing with the Stars. No, it's not Dancing with the Stars. It's football. Yeah, we actually, apparently, who knew? Women like sports. Newsflash. Um, it actually is sort of a big newsflash to a lot of people that women are watching NFL football. Everybody kind of assumed, like, okay, well, you're not really watching it. You're probably just in the room while your significant, your male significant other is watching it, uh, or your children or whatever. But there is a significant number of female fans out there who are, um, like actually keeping up with, uh, stats and whatever. Can you tell that I'm not a football fan? I'm like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know what to keep up with. They, well, they, uh, well, here, here's some statistics. Please. Because sports and fandom, is all about statistics. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Uh, out in the NFL, women comprise 44% of the fan base. Pretty good. And they are a third of so-called avid fans, the ones who would be able to tell you the finer points of that referee call that was so botched right. earlier this week. <laughs> Shame on that event. A lot of these stats, though, are looking at the Super Bowl specifically, and I kind of think, well, you know, the Super Bowl's more general. Like, I've watched the Super Bowl, although I watch it more for the ads than I want- for the game. <laughs> Again, <laughs> the I snacks. Could- I, the snacks. Because I couldn't, I really couldn't care less. And so, um, a lot of magazines and articles and everything have looked at uh, female viewership of the Super Bowl, and they have been blown away. And so they wanted to look at why the number is rising. And Brian McCarthy, who's an NFL spokesman, said that more women enjoy the game itself and the strategy behind the plays. They also enjoy the opportunity to come together as a family or with friends to watch the event. And according to NFL research, it's more accepted and even expected for women to take an active interest in football. And so I just think it's comical that there's this whole attitude surrounding female football fans. Like, can you can you believe it? Can you believe they exist? Yeah, and the fact that uh, their research finds that we en- enjoy the game and strategy and getting together to watch the game sounds like the reason why people in general... <laughs> human, human people? Why humans watch sports. Um, and going back to the Super Bowl for a second, to put some numbers around that. In 2012, this year... 50, over 50 million women watched the Super Bowl, and that's compared to 24 million who watched the Oscars, just under 24 million who watched the Grammys, and 8 million who watched the Emmys. Nobody cares about the Emmys. But the funny thing is, the, uh, in multiple articles from, I think, say, like 2010 through 2012, the sporting event that the Super Bowl is always compared to in terms of female viewership is the 1994 Winter (laughs) Olympics figure skating showdown between Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan, which was previously the record holder for women viewers. Why me? Yeah, exactly. That was, well, that was like a soap opera on ice. I know. Who wouldn't watch? My parents still joke about those Olympics. Because they're bad people. But anyway, okay, so according to Nielsen, this is back in 2010, um, women were actually 58 million of the 138 million Americans who consider themselves NFL fans. So there are a lot of women out there, and it's really making advertisers and real uh, retailers take notice. So now we're seeing more ads geared toward women during games. Uh, an independent ad agency study, for instance, found that in general, 
women look forward more to the commercials than the game, which is what I accused my myself of. So there there are a lot of different reasons <laughs> that people are tuning into these games. Well, and I think that's more specific to to the to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But one thing the the reason why advertising age and all of these uh, networks have been so psyched about women's NFL viewership is that it's not just the Super Bowl. Uh, this is as of January 2011. NBC's Sunday Night Football was the number three TV show for women ages 18 to 49, at which point advertisers and brands just hear like a cash register yeah. ringing over and over again. And for some fun facts, though, about where those women who are watching all this football are clustered. If we've got any ladies out in Baltimore, that's not, that's not a song <laughs> that I'm going to sing. The Baltimore Ravens, in fact, are the first NFL team to start a female fan club, which now has over 25,000 Members, so Baltimore women love them some NFL, mm-hmm. but not as much as women in Pittsburgh. That's right, the Steelers fans. Woo! This is going back to 2007, uh, so perhaps things have changed, but I, I doubt that it really has, because they had a pretty strong lead. Uh, USA Today reported on a Scarborough sports marketing survey that ranked Pittsburgh as having the largest NFL female fan base. So Steelers, you got lots of ladies cheering for you. And that's followed up by the Green Bay Packers. Cheeseheads. Mm-hmm. Is that derogatory? But that's that's what the fans call themselves, I think right? so. When they yeah. put actual cheese on their heads. Yeah, cubes of cheese. Foam. It's I guess it's not actual cheese. No, it's not real <laughs> cheese. That would be disgusting. <laughs> and delicious for a, for a snack. So, yeah, so speaking of snacks... Part of the reasons that <laughs> that advertisers really perked up when all these numbers about women start rolling in, it's not only that here they have another market to, to mm, not exploit, cater to, pitch things to, get people to buy their stuff. It's that there's this notion uh, that is statistically proven that women are sort of the heads of the household when it comes to spending money on stuff, making purchases. They're the kind of the deciders. Or as the some people in the NFL call them, the like the CFOs of the household. So not only, like Kristen said, are these marketers hearing the dollar signs, they're also seeing a great opportunity to market to people who maybe they hadn't considered before were seriously even watching their advertisements. Yeah, so for that reason, you have things like in 2006, during the Super Bowl, Dove launched its uh, now pretty famous self-esteem fund, uh, which was, I think it was the campaign for for Real Beauty, where it used um, women, non-model bodies, to put it that way, uh, to, to launch that. And the campaign site saw a 1,600% increase in traffic. Uh, Reebok has done a similar thing. They launched Be a Woman, Be a Fan campaign that helped the business grow 80% that year. Also, if you watch uh, Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, I can't remember which one it is, but uh, you have products like Febreze mm-hmm. now buying heavily into those primetime slots. And the Febreze folks, they're not looking to get more dudes with 
cheese blocks on their heads to, yeah. to spray their <laughs> nice scents everywhere. Although if you're wearing cheese on your head, you probably should use an air fryer. You should get some Febreze. <laughs> yeah, no, I asked my, my roommate, who is a dude who is super into football. I was like, hey, have you, you know, Kristen and I are doing this episode. Have you noticed, you know, in your football games, like while you're watching, um, th- they're more lady geared advertisements, you know, anything like that would be stereotypically woman related, like detergent or something. And he was like, honestly, I have no idea. I don't pay attention. So maybe men aren't noticing as much. Maybe, but maybe women are picking up on it. That could be. Um, and women are also apparently picking up on new apparel that the NFL is trying to crank out for them. Uh, there was, there's been so much coverage just in the past month or so in the mm-hmm. lead up to the new NFL season in 2012 about all this money and marketing that the NFL is pouring into its female oriented merchandise. Uh, there was an interview with uh, Tracy Blazinski, who's the VP for consumer products at NFL. And she was talking to the New York Times and other media outlets about how the previous strategy had been something called pink it and shrink it. In other words, you take a, a jersey of insert Roethlisberger. That's the name of an NFL player. You take the Roethlisberger. I'm really I'm hoping that he's still playing football. You take Joe Namath, okay? <laughs> you take Joe Namath's jersey, slather it in pink, cut it down to a baby tee size, right. and then they sell it. And that's it. And they're done. Yeah, they they didn't sort of seek out to to add anything to it. They were just like, well, surely you just want the same thing. You just want it smaller and pink. But there are a lot of opinions flying around out there that are like, um, actually, can we just have normal things but in our size? So like actual sports clothing that isn't pink? No. I mean, well, <laughs> the NFL essentially said, hey, okay, yeah, we'll make things in your size, but it's going to be high-end, it's going to be fashionable and fabulous, and we're going to launch a campaign called It's My Team, featuring uh, notable women in this new feminized NFL gear, including Condoleezza Rice. And I have to say, I really like Condoleezza Rice's ad. She looks very classy. It's a very nice ad. Um, considering, I guess, that she could have been modeling a $70 off-the-shoulder sweatshirt, perhaps a $76 backless halter top, and maybe sporting some $360 leather boots. Well, we have. There was that, that famous picture of Condoleezza in the, in the suit and those, right. those knee-high. She's a fashionable lady. Leather boots. Yeah, and even though some of the... NFL merchandise is a marketed now to women, this new It's My Team campaign. It is expensive and it is not all things that I would select for my personal wardrobe. But you know what? Uh, the NFL, it doesn't matter that I might not buy that backless halter top for $76 <laughs> because they are moving a lot of merchandise. According to ESPN, NFL merchandise sold to women jumped significantly over 2011. In December of last year, they saw an 85% sales increase over the previous year. But the thing about talking about these uh, these marketing campaigns, the different brands that are really investing in this uh, this female demographic with NFL football is the fact that when you and I were researching for this episode, you look up women in football and NFL 
And this is all the coverage that it is. It's all fashion and mm-hmm. it's all merchandise. Yeah. It's really, it's so little about women who are really into the game. It's more just, hey, look, there's an, the NFL's now selling new boots, <laughs> pink boots with a Steelers logo emblazoned on them for $9,000. <laughs> Buy them. And that was really like all, all it was, which I still, f- I find it a little bit. Well, um, it's off-putting. either, it's either fashion or it's slideshows of like, Ooh, look at Pittsburgh's sexiest fans and stuff like that. Like, there are very few places I feel like where female fans can actually go and get a serious look at sports and football. Um, that's not either talking down to them and all painted in pink or that's trying to sell them a t-shirt for a hundred dollars or being like, Hey, send us your pictures of, you know, your sexy time at the football game. Well, and it's also the question of whether or not, uh, and not to go off on a total tangent, but whether or not, Women even need that. Right. It's not like men have these sports spaces where it's all relative to gendered things. It's just about sports. It's about analysis, statistics, and probably not so much about backless halter tops. Well, except for those slideshows of the sexiest fans. There are so many sexiest fans slideshows on the Internet. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but ESPN has made an effort to reach out to women online, at least with the launch of ESPNW, uh, which is its brand that it's trying to use to target female uh, sports fans. Obviously, that's what the W stands for. But it doesn't seem like it's really gotten any legs. Yeah. Well, and there's also the question of why is ESPN just figuring out that women might be interested But then again, like you said, you know, is this even necessary to have a separate site dedicated to women when maybe female sports fans are just reading ESPN anyway? Well, I think it's not so much female sports fans. I think there is something specific about NFL football and the fact that it is one of the only sports that really, aside from kind of niche groups here and there, and you have a few players in the high school level here and there. It's the only sport that is, for the most part, shut off to women, not Mm -hmm. only on the field. You know, I think this year was the first time they had a female ref um, in an NFL game. That's one. Uh, But it's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sport that's been relegated strictly to men and even in terms of uh, spectating. And I think it's now just finally starting to catch up. But the sad part is that NFL just sees women as potential consumers rather than real avid fans. Right. Well, there's definitely that whole perception that is very prevalent. If you talk to almost anybody, anybody who's a major football fan, they have, if they don't hold this opinion, they have encountered this opinion of football being a male dominated activity and you're a woman. So you're not a real fan. And not only are you not a real fan, but your presence and your opinions are almost a threat to the game itself. And this is, um, Part of a thesis by Mackenzie Ryan uh, back in August of 2012 for Bowling Green State 
University. Um, she talked to a bunch of people. She reviewed a lot of message boards online and things like that and found a lot of, um, how should I say, very passionate opinions. Sexist. Uh, you can call them flat-out sexist opinions. Yeah, they were pretty jerky. Uh, opinions about women's involvement in football in any way. I mean, and granted, she was pulling out specific examples to highlight some of the misogyny that goes on in the fan base. Uh, but, for instance, she talks about the the issue of violence on the football field and how it's a growing concern about the long-term health effects of injuries and concussions that are sustained. And um, there is this opinion that... While it's a good thing that more women are watching football, it's really important that the NFL invest in these female fans because it is the mothers that will let their sons play football. But at the same time, within the fan base, you have the flip side of that to where uh, some would say the only reason we're caring about all this is because the sport is becoming feminized because we have to reach out more to women and care more about safety. Women are stepping into this, like, formerly, like, men's only field and messing things up. Yeah, like, one one quote she pulled out basically was like, hey, can we not be men anymore? Can you just stay out of it? Why do, why do you have to be feminizing everything? And uh, Mackenzie Ryan points out, you know, player safety is not really a gendered issue, but the NFL has kind of, you know, intentionally or not, made it that way because they're like, all right, well, so how do we appeal to women? Well, we tell them that it's, you know, we are focused on safety. You know, these are mothers, these are sisters, these are daughters who are worried about men playing football. So, you know, for better or worse, women are kind of getting slammed for calling for this stuff to happen and, and men see them as interfering. Yeah, I mean, and, and we should clarify that it's that it's not, that it's not all all men by any means. Again, like she was pulling out examples to, right. to talk about the difference between like how, how women are, are not necessarily perceived as real fans. And she says that it's because, quote, football is among the few sports where women are still mostly absent as participants and women spectators are not seen as equal to male spectators in terms of knowledge and dedication. Uh, there was one example that she gave where, uh, some woman had written a blog post predicting one team to win. The team did not win. And the comment section went crazy with all of these dudes just like trouncing on her, mm-hmm. saying like, you don't, you shouldn't even be really watching this anyway. Get back to the kitchen and make some more chicken wings. Yeah, there's a lot of sandwich comments that I've noticed too. And it also extends into sports journalism, uh, especially, it's especially tough for women uh, journalists working in the NFL trying the open locker policy was instituted in 1985 but it's still a problem among some teams uh, for female journalists to even be let inside of the lockers Um, institutionally it is still overwhelmingly dominated by guys. No big surprise. Um, but, for instance, Amy Trask of the Oakland Raiders is the only female president or CEO of a team in the NFL. So in a lot of ways, like, these new female fans, while they might be marketed to 
in a very pinkwashed kind of way that is tiresome. Uh, for instance, the NFL, NFL.com is launching uh, this new section on their women's site to promote home gating. In other words, it's snacks and recipes. And that's all we're really good for is buying things and cooking things and maybe watching some football every now and then. Uh, but As long as we have Febreze to spray <laughs> afterwards, after you've worn cheese on your head all day. <laughs> right. Uh, but in a lot of ways, we still are... Uh, breaking new ground, even though it is 2012. Um, two people who I think are breaking ground. Now, we talked about uh, female football sites. Like, do we really need them? Are they really important? I think two really impressive women are uh, Nikki Sickles and Shamika Lee. Sickles, who has a BA in economics from Stanford and an MBA from Columbia Business School. Lee, who has a BA from the University of Pennsylvania and an MBA from Harvard. These ladies started Her Game Life, which, according to PR Web back in June 2012, is the largest media outlet devoted to uh, female NFL fans. This doesn't necessarily mean it's the biggest, like, distribution-wise, like, page-view-wise, but it has over 40 female contributors and is the largest female-owned and operated media outlet dedicated to serving the NFL's female fans. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, and there are a number of other uh, sort of female football niche sites like Football 101. You have Audible Magazine. There's one out there that's a play on Chick that I just don't even... Chicks in the Huddle? Chicks in the Huddle. That's what it is. Uh, no comment there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is still very... All of it is very, very girlified. Mm-hmm. Um, and as as a lover of football snacks, you know, <laughs> I can't I can't give it a complete thumbs down. But just as a as an example, the tagline for Football 101 is uh, Football 101. Women are focused on giving ladies the 411 about football, facts, fashion, food, and more. The important F's of life. To which, uh, like an avid male fan would say, you know what's missing from that? Statistics. Where are the statistics? I don't mm-hmm. know. I could go on. I think it's. Uh, I, I think it's interesting to maybe like consider these. I don't think about the gendered aspects of fandom very, very often. And that thesis that we found from Bowling Green was one of the only pieces of academic research to look at that within the context of American football. There's mm-hmm. a ton of it for European football, but uh, with the NFL, maybe it's just so strange that women are watching and caring. That we haven't taken. Well, the time. maybe yeah, maybe these increased numbers and everything will get people's attention, and they'll start to look at women's involvement more. Mm-hmm. So maybe when when we're old and have canes, and we come back into the podcast studio in you know fifty years, we will we will update you. Or as uh, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell and Jonah Lair, the embattled Jonah Lair, have predicted. Uh, they think that football is just going to go away because of the bad reputation it's getting due to. The violence and concussions. I don't think so. Yeah, there's too much money. Yeah. There's too much money. <laughs> Call me a cynic. So, women in football, the fans, ladies, it is time to hear from you. What have been your experiences if you are a football fan and you are a woman? Have you have you been treated as just, you know, a silly snack maker? Silly, silly snack maker. <laughs> Yeah, let's hear from the people who actually like go to games, follow their team, maybe went with their dad when they were a kid. Like, we want to hear your fan stories. Yeah, and what do you think too about uh, the the fact that the NFL is pouring so much money into really just into 
marketing. They just want you to dress up, it seems like. Yeah. But not that they don't do that to, to guys as well. Um, but anyway, I mean, you don't see, I don't know, Colin Powell doing <laughs> doing ad, ad campaigns. I digress. Email us, momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send your letters. Hey, but before we get into listener mail... Uh, I've got a little message here because this episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by Jack Threads. And what is Jack Threads? Well, listen up, ladies who have dudes around, dudes who have dudes around who wear clothes. You know, I bet those dudes need some clothes. And you know what you should do? You should head over to jackthreads.com, which is quickly becoming the, that is all caps, T-H-E, online shopping destination for dudes. And not only does jackthreads.com have awesome brands such as Vans, The Hundreds, New Era, and others, everything on the site is up to 80% off because, like jackthreads.com and me, Kristen, the nickname Thrifty Nickel, likes to say, <laughs> full price is for suckers. So, if you're looking for some new duds for you, dude, head over to jackthreads.com and guess what? As a listener of stuff mom never told you, you can skip the membership wait list and get instant access at www.jackthreads.com slash mom. So, head on over. The holidays are coming up. They're going to be here before you know it. Go ahead and stock up on some closet wardrobe, etc. accessories at jackthreads.com. And moving on to, I think, our fan least favorite topic of uterine prolapse. It's not going away. Uh, I've got an email here from Abigail about uterine prolapse. And she says, I had a baby about nine and a half months ago. And your episode on uterine prolapse got me doing my kegels all the way home. You spoke about differences in women in other countries, and I thought you'd be interested to hear my story about a friend in France. Shortly after having my baby, my friend asked me when I'd be starting physical therapy. After giving her the what answer, she proceeded to tell me that in France, or at least the area she lives in, it's standard procedure to write physical therapy prescriptions for women who have just given birth either vaginally or C-section with the sole purpose of strengthening the pelvic muscles to keep things like uterine prolapse from occurring. Occurring. I have heard about that on a side note, and I think it is across France. She was shocked. The same was not true in the U.S. Also, the woman from the Pelvic Health Center at the hospital I gave birth said the average woman waits seven years before seeking medical help for pelvic issues. Imagine seven years of peeing every time you sneeze. This results in more drastic measures like surgery when perhaps a little physical therapy in the beginning would have done the trick. Or... After you have a baby, take a vacation in France. That was just my side note, if you can somehow do that. So thanks, Abigail. Okay, here's an email from Allison about breast sizes. A lot of people had a lot of things to say about this one, too. Mostly positive. I think everybody likes hearing that they're normal. Yeah. That's good good to to have that reinforced. Um, She says... I just thought I'd share this little anecdote for anyone worried about what the fellows think about asymmetrical breasts. I have boobs of slightly different sizes, not super noticeable, but definitely different. A few months ago, my now ex-boyfriend and I were talking about boobs, and I mentioned that one of mine was slightly bigger than the other. 
Not only had he not even noticed up to that moment, but after we talked about it, he did not mind at all. In fact, I'm not sure he even paid attention to which one was bigger and which one was smaller. He's a guy; they just like boobs. So the lesson I learned、uh, from that was that guys do not care at all. She italicized about asymmetrical breasts, and that ladies around the world should stop worrying about it. I know I have. So thank you, Allison. And thanks to everybody who's written in. Momstuffatdiscovery.com is where you can send your letters, and you can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast, and of course you can head over to Facebook as well. Like us, leave us a comment or a message, and you can also find us on Tumblr. Stuff Mom Never Told You. Tumblr. Com for all of your blogging pleasure, and if you want to get a little smarter during the week, you can head over to our website. It's HowStuffWorks. Com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks. Com. 